I'd uh, really like to welcome everyone to this retreat that we're entering together. Um, it's nice to uh, see some of you again that we've met before in other retreats, and we welcome you back. And uh, also to welcome those who are uh, new to IMS and new to the retreat experience. Uh, we really warmly welcome you as well. Uh, everyone is welcome <laughs> um, to uh, this retreat. We're delighted actually to be able to uh, enter this retreat experience together. It's um, always uh, a lot of grace and honor to be able to do this work. Um, it's not easy to take time out of our busy lives um, to travel, to invest the time and energy to do it. Um, and it can, one can meet a lot of resistance on the way to actually getting to one's cushion on a retreat. Um, so congratulations, you made it. <laughs> Through all the things that can obstruct and all the pressing demands on our time and our energy. Um, but it's so important um, to be able to pull out the plug from our daily life and to take time out uh, for the sake of reflecting more inwardly, taking our attention, which is so often uh, externally orientated and pulled in so many different directions, uh, to be able to take our attention inwardly for the sake of uh, deepening into uh, an inner stillness, in a contemplation, in a reflection, coming into primary relationship with our own being, with ourself, with our body, with our hearts, reflecting on the nature of mind. Uh, we talk about being in relationship as being very important, but often the very being that we're with all the time, ourselves, we, we often don't uh, pay due attention to being in relationship uh, with our own, with our own selves, with our own body and heart. So, so it's, uh, this is an opportunity for us to, to do that. Um, in many ways, <coughs> going uh, on retreat like this is a journey. Uh, we have the advantage of uh, being here in this um, place of uh, IMS, which is, um, so many other practitioners have, have been here and contributed to the holding space, the meditative space here. So we can draw on that. Um, there's a tremendous sense of... Uh, of a contemplative, a contemplative atmosphere here, a stillness, a quietness. So it's uh, it's uh, wonderful to be able to to connect with that, plug into that, draw on that, um, and uh, to enter this journey together, a journey uh, into the into the heart, the. Um, the theme of the retreat, the mysterious way of the heart, reflecting on the nature of the heart, connecting with the heart, our innermost uh, stillness, our innermost uh, being. Uh, so, <clears throat> and in a way, this this uh, this is a journey. 
that we take through the, the layers of our busyness, through the layers of uh, the things that can come up and obstruct our ability to really recognize the luminous nature of the heart, the present nature of the heart. So to um, help us take this journey, I'd like to just initially reflect on uh, how the uh, retreat form is a vehicle, in a way, for this journey. It's our container, it's our vehicle that we're entering together, and certain agreements that we make to enable us to journey together. Um, First of all, to just reflect on some of the external uh, container and aspects of the vehicle. The first, uh, most obvious one, being the silence uh, that we agree to undertake. For some of you, you're used to this experience of coming into silence and it's a relief. I thought it was, sorry. Sorry about this. The mics have gotten very sensitive here. If I take my hand under there, that should do it. So the, the container, the vehicle that we're entering together of silence. Another way of uh, talking about silence is the listening. We're learning to listen uh, to the more subtle currents of our mind, of our heart, of our body, our energy. Uh, and uh, the silence enables this. And for some of you, you you're familiar with this, and it's a, a relief. Uh, it's, um, <clears throat> it's something that you uh, feel comfortable with. For others, it might be more new, and, and perhaps uh, it's something that you'll take some time perhaps to get used to, or it might be a bit challenging. And I encourage you to, to just uh, to be patient if it's a new experience to be in the silence. It's, it's not a way to enter silence. It's not a way of um, disconnecting from each other. It's not a cold silence. In a certain way, being silent together is a way that gives us permission to come out of our social personas. Um, and in a way, we begin to feel a deeper current of connection that we share, um, which, which again in our everyday life is, is harder to tune into when we're, when we're in our more chatty modes, communi- commu- modes of communication. So it's not a dead silence, it's, it's a, an alive silence. We're listening into something that's very, the, the quality of silence that has aliveness, presence, uh, intelligence within it, connection within it. So I really encourage you to, to explore allowing this, this, this practice of silence, but over the, as the retreat unfolds, allowing the silence to enter more deeply into our being, into our body, into our hearts, into our minds. So we really drink and draw from this silence as a resource, as something that nourishes. So the silence is a container, it holds us together. 
the uh, other aspect, obvious aspect of the container of uh, retreat uh, that helps to to give uh, form and shape to this vehicle for our journey is the schedule that we undertake. And again, for some of you, you'll uh, you'll be uh, familiar and you love maybe entering the discipline of the schedule. It's a relief. And for others, maybe more resistant or rebellious, we all have a different relationship to being scheduled. And it, oh, we might have a whole variety of responses to it. <laughs> the, the, the purpose of the schedule is not to try and intimidate us or, or force a discipline upon us in a way that, 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 that creates a sort of harshness or, or a, a, an overt willfulness, but it's actually something to help support us and guide us and to give uh, safety and boundary for this work. It helps us all be somewhere on the same page, at least physically, <laughs> in our bodies. We might be all over the place in, in terms of the, the, the landscapes we visit internally. Uh, but the, the schedule is very important because it helps to contribute to the sense of the container. So exploring our relationship with it, we, um, we like to encourage on our retreats that you um, come to what you can to attend it, to explore how to work with a schedule in a way that's, that's supportive. To Sometimes it might mean pushing yourself a bit. Sometimes it might mean if you've come here and you feel a lot of exhaustion, you've been driven in your daily life, and you come and you sit for a while and you realize, wow, I'm really tired, I need to actually take a little bit of time out to rest and catch up with myself, then, then do it. Then, then actually rest and, 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 and get resourced again and, and, uh, you know, and then re-enter the retreat. So we always ask um, you to find your way of the schedule with a sense of permission for each of you to enter into relationship to this, with a schedule in a way that is uh, respectful of the group, but also respectful of your own energy. So it's not something that you just take on in a driven and, and uh, intimidating way and then, and then find that the whole retreat becomes some kind of battleground, you know, as we tend to do in our daily life, you know, just to try and relax into it and allow it to carry you. What we, what we do ask is that you come, it's important that you come in the morning when we're giving instruction and in the evening when we give the Dharma talks because these are the times that we, we actually um, orient the, orientate the retreat and the work that we're doing so that you, you are connected with the flow of the retreat, the practices, the themes that we're contemplating. And then each day towards the end of the afternoon, we also have a time for some discussion or questions. Um, so this is also a useful time to come as well. We also have during the retreat periods of uh, as part of the, the vehicle, part of the container, with the periods of sitting meditation, the walking meditation, which we'll be explaining as we go through, particularly for those of you that are are new to this kind of practice. We'll have a period each day where we do some work more consciously with the body, with some qigong, some simple movement and stretching to help 
uh, open the energies of the body, release tension, energize the body, which, which is very harmonious with the meditative work. We'll also have times of checking in with you as in small groups and individual, some of you individually, um, and also to, to encourage you if, if you feel like you're getting into difficulty in the retreat and you would like to uh, talk with Kitty Saro or myself, you can leave us a note. And uh, I think it's important for us to, <clears throat> to, uh, to get a sense of how you're doing. So we want to do that during the retreat. You're not out there on your own somewhere, on your own sphere that, uh, you know, that there's, we, we want to respond and, and be sensitive to, to how the retreat's impacting you, what you're working with. Another aspect of, of what we offer, which again, for some of you will be um, something you enjoy and, and you welcome. For others, it might be a new kind of practice. We offer every day some devotional practice, a recitation of mantra, chants, uh, heart practices, uh, reflections on the teachings, um, drawing from some of the, the lineages, the traditions through which the teachings come, Buddhist teachings uh, originate and uh, carried. Um, so this also, in a way, contributes to the holding space of the retreat. So... You're welcome again to explore your relationship with that. So these are some of the external aspects of the of the vehicle of our retreat time together. And and some of you will like some of it, and others of you will 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 not. And you know, so each of you will will need to find your own way in relationship to to what we offer on the retreat. And the internally, more subtly. Being able to <clears throat> orientate our relationship to the retreat, there's, there's certain attitudes which are helpful to consider as ways of preparing the mind for this sort of work, this inner meditative work. One of them that, that I feel is really important to reflect on is however much um, of this kind of uh, meditation practice you've done or retreat work you've done or whatever your experience has been in other retreats or whatever your experience has been with other retreats with ourselves um, that often we, we bring to our, our present experience a, a, a lot of projection from what has gone before which is natural for all of us but what we encourage in terms of, of honing an attitude, in, in terms of entering into um, this, this uh, um, cultivation of contemplation and meditation is to, is to explore what they call in Zen a beginner's mind. That, we're, that each session, each moment, each retreat is a, is a, new, it's a new situation. So whatever, you know, we can just gently let whatever's gone before, just let it be. And we're entering this together in a, in a freshness with this beginner's mind attitude. So this inner attitude of the beginner's mind and, and also another very helpful attitude in working through 
the retreat and, and being with our experience is something that um, was encouraged a lot um, in our monastic training, which I find very, very helpful, not only for retreat work, but in, in everyday life, which was a phrase that was used every day, which is was to reflect on our experience as this is how it is. This is what we're with here and now. Yeah, so, it, so it allows us a very accurate relationship to our experience here and now. Whether it's comfortable and peaceful, pleasing, or whether it's difficult and challenging. that We experience a whole spectrum of feelings, but it's not really ultimately about getting the exact right experience, but being able to be in relationship very accurately with the reality of our experience. We have to hone ourselves with this kind of attitude, then it allows us to be flexible, fluid in relationship to working with the cultivation of meditation. So these, this inner attitude being having a sense of patience with our experience, kindliness towards our experience, all of these will guide and, and continue to uh, reflect on as we go through the retreat. All of these are helpful for undertaking this, this journey. This journey of, of, in a way, simplifying. We're simplifying our life at the moment, taking ourselves out of our, our normal uh, situation, our familiar situation, for the sake of, the, of this inner reflection, which is a very archetypal journey. It's very much the, 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 the journey that the Buddha himself took from from uh, leaving his familiar surroundings to explore more deeply into the nature of reality required actually to go into some depth that required the leaving of the of his normal circumstance as laid out in the in the journey of the of the buddha which is in a way a sort of archetypal a metaphoric journey for all of us leaving the familiar, leaving our homes, leaving our comfort zones and coming into this kind of a space for a particular kind of purpose, for a particular kind of focus. Simplifying, letting go of what's not necessary uh, is is a practice. It's challenging, but very necessary in a way for for depth, for this inquiry, for this uh, learning to cultivate the skills that we'll be exploring in this journey together. In this journey to, to have a sense of the, the focus, where are we going, where, what, what is the, the core, the essence, as we orientate ourselves within this work. It's a, a lovely <clears throat> teaching that the, that the Buddha gave, not lovely, but a very important one to to remember 
and to reflect on again and again. It's very helpful as we begin together tonight, which is a teaching called the Heartwood. It comes from a sutra called the Heartwood Sutra. To actually get a sense for the heart of the matter, the focus, our primary focus, or, or what we actually are exploring. The Buddha gave this teaching to reflect on the nature of why one undertakes such a journey, whether it's a small journey like this coming into a, into a 10-day retreat. Why would we do this? Or maybe it's for some of it's a really large journey, and it's been an ongoing journey for many years to explore a spiritual awakening. What, you know, and, and how can we kind of get sidetracked and how to keep focused? This teaching gives a, a very helpful guideline. And the Buddha starts as, as, as if someone enters this journey, enters this journey from a place of faith, knowing that you know, there's some, maybe there's the, 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 the sense of inspiration around awakening, wanting to, to evolve out of places that are constricted, painful, or out of the sense of being weary of, of stress or suffering. Being, as it says in the sutta, being prey to the experience of suffering, there's a sense of being prodded almost to explore something more meaningful, something more heartful. And so the disciple begins the journey of awakening looking for the essence of the matter and goes and, and, and starts to practice. And after a while, inevitably, if we practice some of the skills that we'll be cultivating, some of the principles that we'll be exploring, inevitably some fruits begin to appear from that practice. And so initially, maybe some of the first fruits that may come about as, re- as reflected on in this particular teaching are that we might find ourselves feeling more at ease. We might find from that there's more clarity. We might find that there's some success. And from that, we might gain some uh, benefit, different gains come about gain of well-being, maybe material gain, maybe a sense of renown, maybe we get even quite well-known. <laughs> and so, as, as recorded in the sutta, one becomes satisfied with that. The Buddha said, likens it to someone that goes in search of the heartwood and becomes satisfied with, the, with not the, the, the heart of, a, of, the, of, the, of the tree, a great tree that one is searching for the essence of, but becomes satisfied with the leaves or the twigs or the branches. He goes on, well, maybe one isn't satisfied with that and continues. Then as one continues, the, the fruits of what's called... Uh, uh, the development of an ethical life. And with an ethical life, there's a wholesome sense of character. One becomes a good person. Yeah. And there's a certain joy in that. There's a certain pleasure in that. There's a certain power in that. One becomes more immune from certain sufferings, more coarse sufferings, maybe. And one becomes satisfied with that. But the Buddha likens this to actually finding the tree and actually getting to the outer bark, but still hasn't quite got to the essence of the matter. 
and goes on, the sutta goes on and says, well, maybe one isn't satisfied as that. It's, it's a nice result and continues and becomes a really good meditator, <laughs> really able, very adept at focused states of mind, samadhi, concentration, peace. And we become satisfied with that. It's a, it's a good result. We shouldn't, all of these results are excellent and, and realizable. And then the Buddha says it's a bit like the disciple in search of a great tree and looking for the heartwood gets to the inner bark and uh, feels that's good enough, becomes satisfied, becomes complacent maybe. But for some it's not enough and they continue. And continuing on the path, the fruit of what's the next fruit that arises or maybe these fruits co-arise of, of knowledge, of insight, intuitive understanding wisdom, maybe even psychic ability in some way or another, being able to sense more subtly currents of life in ways that perhaps we would miss when we're more caught up in our suffering. And life becomes more fluid, more, we become maybe more powerful in certain ways. And these are, these are good fruits. We feel the fruit of them. And meditation and these practices and spiritual life can can uh, deliver these fruits, actually. And they say, and in the, each of these fruits, with each refrain, they're, they're not, it's not to deny the benefit of these fruits, but the Buddha goes on to say that one becomes satisfied, uh, lords, one lords oneself, and in the process sometimes even disparages others or looks down upon others and becomes maybe even intoxicated and therefore maybe even negligent to continue on the journey. And through that negligence begins to fall into suffering again. So in the Buddha points to, to, to not to really to, to enjoy the fruits of practice but not to stop, to keep going to the heartwood which he, he likens the heartwood of the, of the, uh, of the great mighty tree in the forest is a, a metaphor for the, the liberation of heart or what's the Buddha called the unshakable deliverance of heart the heart that is no more tainted by suffering this he says the, the, Buddha, the, the Buddha encouraged us to keep going until we really taste the liberation of heart as he says, so this spiritual life does not have gain, honor, renown for its main benefits or the attainment of moral discipline or concentration or knowledge and vision for its benefits. But it is the unshakable liberation of heart that is the goal of this spiritual life, its heartward and its end. So the, this uh, is uh, something that can guide us. In a way, we could say the heart is already liberated. We just don't recognize it as such. We don't. It's uh, ever present, free. We uh, talked about the heart already in a state, in its natural state, already liberated, already luminous, already present, already aware but we miss it, we don't recognize, we get confused by what moves through the heart. 
And so this practice of discerning the heart and what moves through the heart. So what the great, one of the great um, forest meditation masters of Thailand called Ajahn Tate called learning to discern between the mind and the activity of mind. Mind in, in, in Buddhist understanding is another word for heart, the jitta. Learning to recognize the heart in its natural state. This is the activity of meditation. And learning to recognize what moves through the heart, to discern wisely. This is the skill of meditation. So we do this practice, this is our journey. We begin tonight, we enter this retreat, we do this practice together. It's, we can't, well for most of us, if not everyone, maybe unless one's a Buddha, we can't do this alone. <laughs> we support each other, we enter this retreat as a Sangha together, as a community. Um, when we flag, someone else will help hold the space. And when we feel we, we can hold the space, we'll be helping hold it, hold it for others. We're not separate from the world around us as we do this work, transforming, digesting, and transforming suffering into light, bliss, insight, steadiness, calm, reflection, and tasting the liberated heart. We also contribute to this uh, awakening in the world around us. We can offer the fruits of our practice to each other, to our friends, our communities, our loved ones, to the world around us. We're not divorced from the web of life. This activity is something that, uh, that uh, ripples out into the world around us. We are, as is said in Africa, the word Ubuntu. We practice together as a Sangha. We practice this Ubuntu. We are who we are because of each other. We practice together to support each other on this journey of awakening. So again, I I really welcome each and every one of you as we enter this journey together, we begin together, wherever we've been, whatever we've done, wherever we've come from, whatever things we've tripped up over in our lives, we start afresh with this moment here and now as we journey into the heart. We're going to um, <clears throat> offer some, um, starting the retreat, we're going to offer some um, chanting. With Kitty Sar and I will do some, a few chants as a way of designating formally the beginning of the retreat and setting a boundary. Uh, for beginning the retreat, a protective boundary for our work. So if you'd like to uh, just stretch for a few moments and then we'll... Uh, last 10 minutes, 15 minutes or so, we'll, we'll do that and then enter the retreat together.
Nisra and I will do a few of the Paritta chants. Paritta is a word the Buddha used. It means uh, protection. In the Buddhist understanding of uh, life, those things which give the most blessing, the most protection, are actually uh, the qualities of heart, qualities of wisdom and compassion, patience, truthfulness, virtuous restraint, persistence, our capacity to stay with our wholesome intentions. So in these Paritta chants, uh, we'll uh, just recite a few of them these chants which have been passed down for hundreds of years. And then while we're chanting uh, these uh, recitations in the language that seem pretty close to the language the Buddha spoke in, in the, in the Pali, as one listens to the sounds and allows yourself to be steadied in this present moment, perhaps you could... Uh, Reflect on on your commitment as we enter this journey that uh, Tennyson was speaking about tonight. To encourage us to trust that this uh, ten days, nine nights together, that this is a blameless. We're not trying to harm anyone. We'll be living simply, cultivating, as she said, uh, you know relationship with the essentials of life, with body, with mind, with feeling, with perception, for the sake of understanding what trips us up, what causes so much distress in our own lives, in our families, in our communities, in our world. That these, uh, as we enter this, uh, this, this period, to just trust that this is this is wholesome. This is blameless. And to remember, as we, as we go deeper into the contemplation, it uh, ironically turns out the more we try to get hold of stuff, the more problematic it is. And that actually one of the great sources of freedom and joy and liberation is the recognition that we can't ultimately grasp anything but that we can share, we can allow things to flow. And so can we, as we enter this, uh, this exploration, can we remember the context, those beings that have made it possible for us to be here, our parents, whether they're in this world or not. Without them, we wouldn't be alive. Our families, friends, co-workers, colleagues, even those we struggle against, we're in relationship with. And so can we dedicate, can we begin this retreat with an offering that may this work not only little by little liberate us from confusion, fill our bodies and minds with more clarity and ease, but may we consciously share that with all those conditions there that we're connected to, 
may be shared with our family, parents, grandparents, children, grandchildren, family, friends, those we know, those we don't know, those we like and even those we don't like. We're all part of this mysterious interwoven suchness, this fabric of life. So as we recite these chants, may we consciously dedicate this work that we do for the welfare of the whole. At a time when there's so much instability economically in the world, politically, ecologically, psychologically, so much stress, so much tension. Can we dedicate our efforts for discovering stability, that which is trustworthy, that which has within it ease and harmony, and we dedicate that for the welfare of the whole. I'll invite first all the forces of goodness, those seen and unseen virtuous beings of the world, to bear witness to our blameless intention as we begin this retreat. That our, that our actions, that we may you know, find our way through this retreat in a skillful way. May all that is wise and good bear witness to our intention. I'll invite all beings to come and bear witness to that. Then we will recite uh, these verses of protection. Avikitachita palitang banantu Samanta chakavalesu Atrakachantu devata Sadhamang munirajatsasunantu Sakamokadang Sake kame charupe Kirisikaratate chantali kewe Mane di perete cekametaruanakahane ke hoatum hikete. Bahumachayantu teva. Jalatala visameyaka kanda banaga. Titanta santike yang manivaravachanang sata wome supnantu. Putatasana kaloyam patanta tamasa wanakaloyam patanta sangapari rupa sanakalo ayam patanta namo atasapakawato Alahato Sama Sambut Das 
Bhutan Tejasam Bhavatu Tejaya Mangalani Satcham Vihaya Matis Chakavada Ketu Vata Pilo
So I wish you a pleasant uh, good night and uh, hopefully a peaceful rest. You can catch up a little bit um, with uh, resting tonight. Um, tomorrow morning, there's a sitting at 6 o'clock. Breakfast is at 7 o'clock. If you have had a really um, intense week and are um, exhausted and trying to still um, catch up with yourself, um, then please feel free to um, just come for breakfast at 7. We ha- we're starting, a, it's already pretty early, 5.30, but we're actually starting a little later tomorrow morning um, f- to, to, to hopefully have, um, so that you can rest. Um, the next morning we start earlier. But um, yeah, so anyway, just f- figure it out for yourself what works. And um, then our first instruction period is at 8.45. So 7 o'clock's breakfast, 6 o'clock sitting, if you can make it, 7 o'clock breakfast, 7.45 work period, and 8.45 instruction. Okay, so anyway, have a peaceful evening.